and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Jackie Lane, I cannot wait to hear your story and share it. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on She's the Boss Chats. Oh, look, so excited, Jules. And, you know, I love being called a boss, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's start with telling everybody what it is that you're doing now. Okay, well, um, I'm the book. Most people know me as the book lady. And and I respond to that saying, I'm really thankful I'm not the bag lady. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't just mean you read lots of books either, does it? No, no. So I have a business called The Book Advisor, Mm -hmm. and I help executives, entrepreneurs, and business people to successfully write, publish, and market their own business book. Wow. You've said that before, I can tell. I have indeed. (laughs) I practice. So what's your big why, though? Why, Why do you want to help people write books? Because um, I'm really passionate about writing and reading books, mm-hmm. and and I think more importantly, um, books have you know informed my life from when I was a little kid, um, and I firmly believe that a well-written book has the power to change the world for the better. So I and my particular bent is business books, and I've read plenty of bad business books. So, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty out there. <laughs> so I wanted to um, help people who had something to share that was going to be beneficial to whoever um, their audience was to actually get it out of their heads and get it out into the world and share their knowledge. So that's what um, that's oh, what drives beautiful. me. And, yeah. of course, the other fabulous benefit that nobody ever really talks about but I see it time and time again is how it really helps the, the author. The author, suddenly their their profile goes up, they're being invited to do talks. And I mean, I watched people like Kate Christie just explode having written one book and then thought, that was easy, I'll do another one and another one. And I think she's on four now. How many have you written? Um, I've written 27. Get away. 27 <laughs> books. Yeah. Janie Mack, I had no idea. There right. Okay. Well, let's, so let's hear your whole story. Um, just first... I would love to ask about that moment that you decided to become the book advisor. Um, was there a bit of a light bulb moment? Did something happen? Did you read a really shit book and decided that's it, I'm going to help people write them better? Or what was um, it? No, no. Um, I wear another hat, which is why I've written 27 books, and I'm a corporate historian. Um, so oh, wow. I um, so a lot of the most of the books I've written are company histories and company stories, okay. and and in the process of doing that, I interview oodles of people. You know, yep. probably interviewed thousand people, executives mostly, chairmen, CEOs, business owners, and about seven eight years ago, maybe a bit longer, I started getting these phone calls from the, some of the people that I interview saying, yeah. "Hey, look, I've always thought about writing a book, but I don't know what to do. Can you help me?" And I'm thinking, "Oh God, I don't really want to do that." Um, <laughs> Until a, they said, but I'll pay you. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd come and I'd had a business publishing company for 20 odd years, and that's another story we'll get to. Um, but they kind of keep yeah. getting these phone calls, and I thought, well, I can help these people, and I really love books, and I know what I'm doing, so I'll help them. So I thought, well, what do you do? I'll start a business doing that. So that's wasn't a light bulb moment, it was more like this um 
creeping a ser- avalanche a series of, of little, yeah. of little pro, 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 I don't know what the word is, but prompts, sort of, yeah, prompts, prompts. Yeah. That, that'll do. Okay, so let's go back to when Jackie was a little girl Ooh. and you can tell me the whole story of how your career has evolved. So where did you grow up and what kind of a family, you know, did you have brothers, sisters, oh, okay. Okay, that kind well, of I, thing? Yeah, I grew up in a little town in New Zealand called Palmerston North. Did you? Which is about an hour and a half north of Wellington. It's, right. Yeah, I won't. Anyway, so I grew up there and I have three older brothers. So I'm the youngest and the only girl. Wow, I'm the oldest of three brothers. <laughs> I always thought being the youngest would be much better because then when they bring home their friends, I wouldn't have um, been the old the old girl. <laughs> so, um, And what did mum and yeah, dad do? Um, dad was an orthodontic surgeon. All right. Um, and mum was a stay-at-home mum and then um, went back into, went back to uni and ended up working in the oncology department of the hospital. Wow. Um, yeah, All right. So, so, so no sort of entrepreneurs in the, in the family. So did you enjoy school? Love school. Um, and I went to boarding school at the age of uh, 11. Um, and I was desperate to go to boarding school because all my brothers went to boarding school and it looked like so much fun. Oh, my God, you're the um, opposite of me. I went at eight <laughs> and I absolutely loathed it. But I, but my parents lived in Germany and I went to school yeah. in England, so I didn't see them very often. Yeah. Where, so, where, where did you go to boarding school? On the same island? Uh, yeah, even smaller town called Masterton. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, I, my, you know, I was, um, didn't like, I guess, the first three or four months, but after that, um, loved it, loved it. It and um, had some great teachers, some great role models. Um, was a bit of a loner because I'd grown up with boys, so yep. I actually didn't know how to cope with girls. Um, <laughs> it's a bit confronting. They're very different, aren't they? They are. And I remember my first day at school, I, and some girl teased me, so I whacked her. Um, <laughs> and I got hauled up with the principal, and he said, "You know, you, you know, what did you do?" Young and I ladies said, well, don't hit other girls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and I said, "Well, in my house, you do." <laughs> So, um, so right the it, way through high school in boarding school. Yep, yep. And then, and I assume you went to year twelve. So, what was? Although that is a big assumption of mine. Yeah. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. That's correct. Okay. So, what was next? What What did you decide to do when you finished school? Um, so, um, from about the age of twelve, I decided that I wanted to go into the diplomatic corps or, or into politics because I had a cousin who was New Zealand's first um, female diplomat. Oh, wow, and what a great role model. So she, so she was my role model and so I knew that I was going to go to um, – I asked her what I needed to do to become a diplomat and she said you need a first-class honours degree in either politics or languages. So right. um, I chose politics. So from about the age of 12, my mission was to go to university and get a first-class first class degree in politics. And I'm guessing you got it. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you, you know. amazing? That that sort of makes sense to me because I do see some of your posts on LinkedIn are a little bit about politics and I know nothing. I've never had any interest in it at all other than probably the last few years over the pandemic where it's become thro- so much that you have to say something. Yeah. But that kind of makes sense as to you you have some really good insights, I think. So, yeah, um, and, yeah. So, so what happened next? What happens when you have your first class degree and you want to become a <laughs> diplomat? Do you become one? <laughs> um, you have a kind of a moment on a beach when you think, actually, um, I don't think this is what I want to do, um, which I literally oh did bec- um, because... Was that a bit of a crisis? You know, uh, not really. It could have been. Um, so I kind of looked into it more and 
And the reality is when you're a diplomat and certainly a junior one, you you know, you do get you do crappy work in Wellington and then and then somebody else decides where you go and you go for three year postings throughout your career and you don't have a choice about where you go. No. Um and that didn't suit my personality. I you know, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, honey, that I knew I liked you from the moment I met you. <laughs> and um, and I thought actually I don't want to live my life being told by somebody else what to do and where. And um, so then um, through my last through my last, through when I was doing my master's degree, um, I had my master's supervisor um, had been commissioned to write a book on the history of the New Zealand National Party which is the equivalent of the Liberal Party here. Right. And he needed a research assistant and I needed a job. So um, I spent a year and a half being his research assistant. And oh, did through you that, love it? Yeah, and through that got to meet a lot of all well, the leaders in the National Party. Um, right. And so when I chose not to go into diplomatic service, they said, oh, we could use you, we'll give you a job. Um, so you're going right. to love this. I became the youth director of the New Zealand National Party. Oh, my goodness, Jackie. That's huge. How old were you at that <laughs> stage, like 22, 23? I think 24, yeah. 24. Wow. And what was that like? Um, it was interesting. So I had three years basically running around Australia, uh, New Zealand, um, trying to engage young people about politics, um, working with the national right. executive of the National Party, um, to try and find ways to engage young people about politics and obviously um, the National Party. Um, so, yeah, I had great fun, you know, met all the leading people in the political sphere and um, and it kind of was aligned with my degree anyway. And then I was being lined up for a safe seat. Yeah, I was going to say, I would have thought yeah. politics sort of being a, being a representative would be the next step. Yep. And um, so there was a safe seat kind of coming up and... I was asked about that and I said, well, look, you know, I'm really interested, but I'm 25. My only overseas trip has been to Fiji when I was 18. I think I possibly need to have a couple of years doing some reality type thing. Um, Widen your horizons a bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And um, so through connections, there was a um, research and writing job in Australia at the time. Okay. Um, to in write Melbourne a book, or Sydney? Uh, no, no, Sydney. Right. To, to, to write a research and write a book for the Australian Stock Exchange on the history of entrepreneurship in Australia. Ooh. As soon as so, you said, st- when you said stock exchange, I kind of went, ooh. And then when you went entrepreneurship, I went, ooh. <laughs> so what was it like? Yeah. Um, so I came over here ostensibly for a couple of years to re- kind of be a research associate and help write that book. And basically, I had two years running around Australia interviewing all of Australia's leading business people and entrepreneurs. Oh, wow. How amazing. And here you are 30 years later. Did you ever go back to New Zealand to live? No, no. That was it? <laughs> that was it. Right. So, so, so yeah. what happened next? Keep- um, then one of the people that I interviewed asked me what I was going to do next. And I said, I didn't know, but a lot of the people I interviewed wanted their business histories written or their stories written and I thought I might start a publishing company. Wow. And he, and he said, that sounds like a good idea, let's do that. And so neither he or I had any publishing background and we started a publishing company. Oh, I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. That's brilliant. And so, and, and back in those days, people weren't writing books willy-nilly anyway. I mean, it was, it was only very sort of, you know, high-profile people. Yeah. So. What was it like? Tell me a little bit about what, what, what it was like starting that business. 
Um, well, I had no business background. Um, <laughs> you nothing about publishing. Did that, make, did that, was it sort of ignorance is bliss in that you didn't know what you were getting into and so it was great fun or did it sort of create um, a lot of worry for well, you? Well, look, I was very fortunate that um, I had a business partner who was a, a senior business person, an entrepreneur who had built several very successful right. businesses. So um, it really wasn't stressful for me because, <laughs> um, you know, he financed it and he kind of knew about business and um, oh, right. he had a good network and I actually had one even though I was um, quite a lot younger. And, yeah, and part of it was didn't know what I didn't know. and um, so, That's a beautiful thing in a lot of ways, isn't it? Yep, yep. And, <laughs> and so what was the first book? Interestingly, the first book that we published was the book that I'd written for the Stock Exchange because they didn't have a publisher. So I went back to them and said, hey, I've just started a publishing company. Can I publish this book, please? And they said yes, which was perfect for the business that we were developing. Um, So so back then, so we specialised in business history. So companies would contract our business um, to find someone to research and write and and publish their, their book. So we published the 75th anniversary book for Qantas, Woolworths. Um, wow, Ma- Jackie, Maya. that's amazing. So, so over 20 odd years, I published 400 business histories. Do, do any of them stand out as being a bit of a favourite? Were there any kind of books that you loved working on or Ooh. hated? It could be either. Um, they were all they're all my babies. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, That's oh, all right. I don't, no, I don't want to make you pick between your babies. Yeah, no. They're, they're all different. Um, yeah. And, you know, some really iconic brands, but then some, some histories of private family businesses that were just wonderful to work with the families on that, that you know, no one really knows their names. So, no, I love I love the process and... And I think um, capturing the stories of Australians, Australian businesses is really, really important. I think it um, is. It, I, yeah. You know, I didn't ever – I've never really thought of that as being an actual kind of niche business, but of course it is. And um, that one of the girls in She's the Boss is an Aboriginal painter called Cherie Stokes and she wants to draw um, – not draw, create – Aboriginal artwork showing the journey of businesses. So maybe I'll have to put you two in touch. Sounds like a great idea. Um, okay, so so that so as that business continued, at what stage was it that you decided to start doing the books as well? Well, I guess you said sort of eight years um, ago, was it? Well, yes. Yeah, so, so you know that business we had that business for twenty three, twenty four years. Um, and then my business partner wow. um, died, and then two years later the GFC happened. So pretty quickly that business really didn't exist, and right. book, book publishing changed yep. radically. Um, so I would Why say do you think that, that was actually just while well, as you were yeah. at right there at the pointy end, what happened that suddenly everyone started wanting to write books? Um, well, I th- well the GFC really wiped out a huge swathe of um, the economy and business, yeah. and 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 business and book and publishing itself was changing, um, and self publishing was starting to come up. So, where did that come from, though? Where did self publish? I mean, oh, you, look, you may not know, but <laughs> well, no, I think it, well, it came obviously out of the, the growth of the internet that people were able yeah, okay. to initially just publish word documents, and then kind of PDFs came along, and then you got people doing DIY graphic design, and 
and then people they came really out of America. Um, this whole thing of you can publish and you know write and publish your own book, um, particularly for business people. So yeah, kind of grew out of that. And early self publishing was pretty awful. Oh, um, I mean, I can remember helping people with PR with books, and I'd read the first chapter and go. You might not really want to publish this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, or promote it. It was it was pretty awful. Yeah, the word. Um, and and mostly because people thought, oh, great, I can write and publish my own book, but they had no idea about what they were doing. And I won't bother getting an editor to check my spelling or oh, <laughs> my yeah. grammar. Any, any any of that stuff. And then I think you had the rise of you know Kindle and Amazon and Ingram Spark, and so. I think, you know, we're really in kind of self-publishing 3.0 now where um, everything has changed. Yeah, and I, I also felt that like in the last 10 years or so, those entrepreneurial coaching groups started and yeah. literally for all of them, the first one of the first things was write a book. That's correct. And so in those days, it was really unusual and it did have a lot of gravitas. Whether it works quite as well now, I don't know. But I mean, there are now amazing books coming out that are really well written, which yeah. is... A relief. Now, so yeah, so that's how that kind of grew. Okay, so along the journey, and I, and you may not want to share this, but I have to ask because we've got a whole lot of women listening, and some will be wanting to start their businesses, and other ones will have had businesses, and we know that it's never a nice, steady kind of yeah. upward growth curve, and everything goes perfectly. Have you had any moments along the way where? Something has happened that you thought, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. And and I guess the GFC is not one, but it might be. Oh, no, um, no. That then is. made you take a different direction or do something differently that you look back and go, actually, it was a bit of a gift, even though it seemed like a nightmare at the time. Um, yeah, look, very clearly. So the GFC came along and, and literally wiped out my business. And so I put my company into voluntary administration. Um, so that was a really difficult oh, wow. thing to do um, because I felt like a complete failure. Um, and that's after being in business for 23 years. Um, yeah, and so many businesses have to go into administration. I yeah. know I've looked into it on a couple of occasions as well. And um, so it was awful, absolutely awful. Um, and Emotionally uh, for you? you oh, because there was well, no... And yeah. you said your partner had died, so there wasn't yeah. anyone to no. share that with you. And I was a single mum at the time yeah. and, well, still am. And <laughs> so uh, it was horrific, horrific. Oh, you poor thing. And um, So I what did just, you do? What, what do you, because for me, I freeze. I know. I just, I spend about two weeks thinking, I don't, I don't even know what to do. Like, I just can't do anything. Um, so, well, what I did was kind of a... You know, I, I did what I've actually never done before. Um, I rang up some people and asked for help. And oh, well I was al- I was always the person that people came to and asked for help. It's very and, hard to reach out when you, you are that person and, that normally helps. And I, I had never done that. Um, and so I sat down, I think, one morning in the office with a bottle of wine took two or three glasses and picked up the phone and rang three or four key people. Some of them were former clients, very senior business people. Yeah. Some uh, couple weren't and said, look, this is where I'm at. I don't know what to do. Um, can you help me? And the cavalry came. Oh, I'm so pleased that they <laughs> answered the call. They sure did. So they helped me through that process in, in lots of different ways and and found me a good administrator and a good lawyer and were, you know, and talked to people on my behalf and virtually all of them said, 
don't worry, you'll be fine. I know it feels like the worst thing in your life, um, but you'll get through it and you will still be able to walk down the street with your head held high. So I was very fortunate you hung that on I to had, that. Had, had, well, I had no option. There was nothing else to hang on to and yeah. the doona was getting a bit hot. So, um, and I had, a, I had a dog and a nine-year-old at home that I needed to make sure I was okay. And, and I remember ringing my mum one day and, um, saying to her, look, I've now got into the space where I know I'm going to be okay because as long as I'm okay and my son's okay, nothing else matters. Yes. So I got to that point where I thought, well, everything else is a bit of a game. That's kind of a great point to get to, though, isn't it? it? When sure you can is. let go of everything yep. and just go, I've got my health, I've got my child, we've got a roof over our heads, you know, we're three quarters of the way there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, and so it was, you know, I often say to people, um, it's it was a horrible time, it was a great learning curve, it's not an experience I would recommend, but... Um, it was a turning point in my life. And that it was from that that the book advisor came about? Well, not initially. So then I thought, well, what am I going to do? So yeah. I went back to researching and writing company histories because I, okay. I, I, I kind of thought, well, what do I know how to do and I like? And then I hadn't actually written anything for 20 odd years. And I thought, oh, maybe I can't do it. Um, so I kind of got back into that and got some major contracts with major ASX listed companies. So I had four or five years um, starting rebooting that and I'm still doing it actually. So I spend about a third of my time researching and writing company histories. Right. Because I love them. And now the other kind of two thirds of my time on the book advisor. So what do you love about writing histories first? Tell me that Um, one. I love talking to people, um, business people particularly. Yeah. And um, rediscovering their story for them. And of course, I'm trying to discover it for the first time. And so I get to interview some amazing people. Um, typically, I know more about a company's story than they do by the time I'm finished. <laughs> um, so I become kind of like if there's a history question, I, I still get calls from companies saying, oh, you know, what, what happened here? Or, so yeah, what of, year did we do such that's and such? That's right. <laughs> Um, there's a huge level of trust involved because yeah. typically I get access to everything, mm. board papers, minutes, chief, you know, executives. So it's, there's, um, a great deal of trust involved and, and I like the fact that, um, people want me, uh, feel safe with me. Yeah. And, um, so I like that process of, of finding out the story of researching and interviewing and then. It's a bit like I'm a vacuum cleaner. I shove it all in my head, and and then and then, and then I'm you very put the blender on. Pretty <laughs> much, I'm and and I'm really good at synthesising lots of information and then writing it. So okay. the process of that I love. Um, I could take the publishing part of it because I know how to do that and that's easy. But that process of um, shoving all that information in and whirring it around and then actually writing something. I just absolutely love that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's just brilliant. And, you know, I mean, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because we all have our skills at different things and you, that obviously is absolutely your sweet spot. And there's hardly anyone that can do that kind of thing. You know, yeah, like, absolutely. It is a very specialised skill. And I never, and then interestingly, I never realised that. Didn't right. realise that to quite late, but in fact, I just thought everyone could do it. 
Well, I think we all do with our natural skills. You know, we all, th- you know, people say to me, how can you juggle so many things? And I don't even think about it. I just kind of yeah. just do it. So we all do that. And that's obviously your superpower. So along the journey, and I obviously there's been some men that have helped you along the way, but have there been any women that really stand out to you as having helped you in your career? Oh, look, definitely. So when I first arrived here, I, I knew nobody in Australia. So um, I what actually a brave wrote... pioneering woman you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming to this country where, you know, animals kill you. you know. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, soon after I started my first business, I joined a group called Women Chiefs of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's a very small group and I'm still, I'm now a lifetime member. And I've heard of it actually. Basically a group of women business owners. Yeah. And there are several women now who are in their late seventies or eighties who Fabian Datner's one, I think. I'm pretty know, sure she was telling me and about it. So they became my support network, and right. um, and I was kind of like their baby because I was in my late twenties, and they were all in their fifties and sixties. Right. So I and several of them have become great friends and were a great support for me. I am so pleased to hear this. I, it just and is. Heartwarming yeah. to know that we are all supporting each other. Oh, look, and, and an amazing group, and I've stayed connected because come now, I'm at the other end of that. And, and <laughs> you're, you're helping the twenty-year-olds uh, now. Correct, correct, very yeah, much so. Um, so there's a group of them, and and really they were and continue to be um, in a in a different way now. My my key support girl network, and um, I you know I so I kind of share all that around a bit really now. Oh, that's just gorgeous. I'm so pleased. that I think out of the 150 women I've interviewed, only one turned around and said, no, I can't think of one woman that's ever helped me. They've always tried to pull me down. Isn't that sad? So yeah. it's great to know that really in general, I think we are all sort of helping helping our younger, especially when you're younger. It's it, That's when you need that help from the older people. And that's our opportunity now to do that for younger women. Yeah. And, and interestingly, Jules, it's I'm also helping women our age who are now thinking about going and starting their own business. And, and well, thank so, goodness they are. I know. Um, so I, so, I, I yeah. just, I'm so horrified. I'm so horrified by the ageism in the employment area, uh, particularly, well, for anyone really, because I've seen it happen to a lot of guys who've been in very senior roles made redundant. But um, I remember at one stage, someone was saying a couple of years ago, you know, who knows what's going to happen with all these women? You know, they're all going to be retiring early. And I said, just wait for this big entrepreneurial wave of women because we don't want to stop working when we're 45 or 50, but it's very hard to get a good job. And so why wouldn't you just go out on your own and start creating your own thing? So I I think that there's, and I think the pandemic is speeding it along as well. So it'll be really interesting to see over the next few years what's happened. And and I certainly, I was part of that mumpreneur wave when when we all stopped 20 years ago, stopped working for organisations that wouldn't let us, you know, do child-friendly hours and went out on our own. So brilliant. Okay. Have there been any pivotal moments other than the GFC that you can (laughs) think of in your business? (laughs) I know that's so huge. And I mean, it did the same thing to me. I started Handle Your Own PR when all our clients deserted us like rats on a a sinking ship. Um, Or any big successes that you've had along the way that you want to talk about? Tons of successes. Um, Look, I I think... um, you know, for me, because of what I do, the books coming out and, and the clients that I've got to work for and, um, you know, I've got 
clients had clients up in the Middle East and, and oh, around, wow. the, around the world. So kind of taking this business book concept in a very small way to different countries, um, you know, I don't think twice about it, but someone, you know, um, I was up in the Middle East 20 years ago and, and it's a favorite part of the world wow. for me and I have developed some great contacts there and I love traveling there for holidays. So I think that having being brave enough to, to go around literally around the world and work on books for companies in those countries, um, kind of when I look back at it, and I didn't really think much about it at the time. It was just, <laughs> It's kind of pretty amazing. It is very amazing. And uh, is there, well, I, I asked you if you had a favourite book. Now let me ask you, what's the biggest seller? Like is there a book that we would all know or? Interestingly not because. <laughs> Even uh, if you've done Maya and Qantas, uh, they're not. Well, well interestingly, because um, I've never kind of played in the mainstream publishing space. So, right. um, for example, the, the Qantas book we did, they printed 30,000 copies and gave them all away. Um, right, so it would know, have been a huge seller. I mean, in Australia, isn't five thousand yeah, is a bit of a yeah, bestseller, isn't it? So thirty thousand yeah, is outrageous. So, so typically, my corporate clients don't sell a single book. Um, and we did the um, Commonwealth Bank history of their hundredth anniversary, and they sold. They didn't sell any books. They gave away forty thousand. Wow, isn't that amazing? Um, so, so typically uh, the corporate clients are printing five, ten, fifteen thousand copies of their book, and they give them all away. So, it, yeah, amazing. I actually remember many years ago helping a woman who, I think it was on a parenting forum, and she said, "I love Aldi." Aldi had just come to Australia, and she said, "I've actually written three hundred and sixty-five recipes just using Aldi products." And I said to her, you should go to Aldi and say to them, I'll do a recipe book. And she said, how? And I remember helping her do it all. Anyway, they ended up buying the book or, or producing it for her or whatever, but 250,000 copies they printed. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and I I've remember always, yeah, thinking, thank yeah. you for my $30 Westfield Gap voucher for giving you the help I got. 250,000 copies. Wow. So, yeah, I've never really played too much in, the ma- in what I call the mainstream publishing space. So, you know, yeah, with right. business books and I guess with the book advisor and, and kind of self-publishing, I'm kind of really not, still not in the mainstream publishing no. <laughs> space. Um, I love books. I go to bookshops all the time and buy them. But in the business sense, um, the mainstream publishing industry doesn't serve business writers very well. No, so, it and doesn't. It, and, again, that's why I think self-publishing, particularly in the business genre, has also taken off because – People have taken control over what, what they can do. And, yeah, it's great to get your book on a bookshop and I love them, but it, it's not necessarily where your audience is. Yeah, very true, very true. All right, so now we're just going to get into a little bit of personal stuff, mainly because I'm nosy. So <laughs> unless there's anything, if there's anything that you want to talk about, no. I'm, of course, very no, happy no, to no. chat about it. But otherwise, I'm very interested because I – I don't think I had ever realised before I started doing these interviews how many women burn out um, and push themselves and push themselves and push themselves and work 60, 70, 80-hour weeks thinking that they deserve a medal or, or something for it and then their whole body just shuts down. So one of the questions I like to ask is about the juggle. How are you separating work and play, especially when it's something that you love? Um, very badly. and. <laughs> Uh, there don't really there isn't one. Um, so I would work on average a seventy hour week, maybe more. 
Um, and do you I, burn out? Have you ever burnt uh, out before or got no, close? No, because I'm very, very organised. So I'm up at six o'clock every morning, and typically I'm out the door. I'm either at the gym, walking around the park, or going for a swim every morning. Right. Um, and that's my kind of that's my brain free. You know, it's just when I just relax. I mean, obviously the physical exercise, but I love being out and in nature and stuff. So. I'm very healthy and very um, fit. Um, and, so and that's, that's one of the beauties kinda, of living in Sydney as well. Yes, yeah, except for it's too ruddy humid. Um, yes. And then twice a year I, I lock out 10 days and I go on a long hike. Um, oh, wow. Um, so that does two things. A, it gives me something to look forward to. And, and also it means it helps me to get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning because if you are not fit and healthy you cannot do those sorts of hikes so is that um, you go hiking on your own or is this with a group um, of people usually go with a girlfriend of mine and but we join up with a group so we've done um milford 10 days Tra- i mean that's a lot yeah. so we've done milford track um the great ocean road and some of them aren't 10 days some are four or five yeah. days but and, and you're camping along the way and bringing everything we're with you, or are you Airbnb? We're, we're sort of glamp. We glamp. We're not campers. Okay. We glamp. And that sounds um, a bit better. <laughs> yeah, and um, so we're doing the Flinders Ranges at the end of March, and um, I've been through up the highest wow. mountains in Morocco, and um, so all all around the world. So those are my twice a year. That's what I do. Uh, don't take my phone, don't take anything, and I completely switch off and get into nature. So, oh, that, that sounds like heaven. Did yeah. you, uh, and uh, apropos of nothing, if you watch Netflix, have you seen that show? There is a documentary called 14 Summits. No. Oh my God, you've got to watch it. It's a young, well, it's, I guess, young 30 year old Sherpa guy. Um, who has just got kind of fed up with the fact that all the Westerners are climbing all the peaks and getting all the glory, and he decides to do 14. Now, they say at the beginning that most peaks take three to six months to prepare for and whatever. He does 14 in two months, and he does all the highest peaks in the world. So he does – he and get this, you, you've got to watch it because it's like he scampers up and scampers down. He did Everest one day and K2 the next I, yeah, I don't do those kind of high mountainy things. I do kind of, you know. Um, no, so. I understand, but I, I just thought it was so. It's like when you see those people in, I don't want to say third world countries, but maybe de- developing countries, and they're able to do things like when you see that free climbing. You know, I've seen oh. I've seen a guy scamper up a, a vertical wall. You know, with with no trouble at all, and and it's the same thing, I guess. When it's natural, you're born that way. They did a whole lot of tests on this guy um, to find out why he was able to do it, and his body held sixty percent more oxygen than a normal person, or something. But it was extraordinary. Anyway, your your holidays sound incredible, and Flinders Ranges would be stunning. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any left, but is there something that you want to share with us? Some quirky fact that most people don't know about you? Um, yeah, I wrote this down actually. Oh, did you? Yes, that's what one does. So I have a master's degree in Russian politics. Stop it. <laughs> that's what right. I did my master's in. Yeah, so that's probably something. Um, and often when so people So what's going on in the world now with yeah, Russia? exactly. People are actually asking me that. Um, so I said about a couple of weeks ago that what I thought he would do is that he wouldn't go to war, that he's using it as a... Um, Political tool. As a, as a tool to force NATO to back off, 
and right. that that he would probably annex part of um, Ukraine, of Ukraine, which it was then, announced this morning, and then use it as a stepping stone in, in six months' time to go after the rest. Right. There we go. Um, okay, you so, heard it all here, everyone. Let's just um, see whether your prediction and, is right. And another use, useless fact that people probably don't know is that I'm still learning to play the saxophone. Oh, how long have you been learning? Uh, a couple of years. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah, I'm I have not that very sort of. I have a Lisa Simpson vision of you now playing sort of mournful <laughs> saxophone songs in your apartment. No, no, I get, get my hair out and kind of more boppy kind of. Thing. <laughs> oh, great. You'd be in a band uh, before you know it. Yeah, yeah. I don't practice enough, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the the issue with having to master something. They yeah. say 10,000 hours and you can master anything. Yeah. And you go, Ugh. Now, okay, um, last but not least is, and I don't know whether you even use your phone, but I'm obsessed with my iPhone and I love hearing about new apps, business apps that I might not have heard of. Have you got any that you love or are you not a phone user? Um, um, well, interestingly, I'm not a phone user, um, and my apps that I wrote down uh, have got nothing to do with business. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and do you use them for play? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so so I've got an app, a fitness app, the Apple Fitness app, which okay. is a- attached to my Apple Watch. Yes, and and I used and I wasn't keen on it to start with, but I love it now because I've I'm logged in how many steps I want to do and stuff like that, and I'm very goal-orientated, so it reminds me every hour that I have to stand up or that I have to drink more or and, and every they get to the end of each day and I've hit my walking target and this, so I love that. I'm kind of constantly reminded about that. And right. for, me, for me particularly, I spend a lot of time in my head and at my desk. It's really important for my mental and physical health that I'm really active about looking after um, both of those things, so I love that app. Yeah. And and then I found another one actually about three, four months ago, which is another health one called Simple. And it's an app that tracks water and what you're eating and and gives you really interesting prompts and stuff like that. Ooh. Again, it's it's about I might have um, to get that one then. Yeah, it's a really good reminder and um, you know, it's just, just around kind of being healthy and because I get a bit, you know, you tend to sit at a desk and three hours goes by and two cups of coffee later and you realise that you're, you know, so those are the ones that I use the most. Very boring probably, but there you are. No, no, no. I love them. And there's one um, that you might like that comes with the watch. I I think it came with my watch, Karma. Have you heard of that one? C-A-L-M-E-R? I think it is. Uh, I've it, got a, a mindfulness one and a, Yeah, it teaches yeah. you breathing. It's just sort of like okay. breathe in with this and breathe out with that. And... <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway. yeah, I've got a breathing one on my watch. <laughs> just to remind you to breathe. <laughs> to remind me to breathe. <laughs> Okay, Jackie, oh, my goodness, what an incredible woman you are and what a great career. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Now, if anyone wants to get hold of you to get them to, you know, because they want to write a book or they've got a company that they want to write the history of, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, look, I'm all over LinkedIn, but if you want to email me, you just email me at jackie at thebookadvisor.com.au. Great. And And the website website is thebookadvisor.com.au. Yeah, and that's E-R for advisor, not O-R. Because OR is American, and we're why all is that? Here. Actually, I saw I I saw that when I was um, inviting you for the podcast. Yeah, why why have you done an advisor, not advisor? 
Um, OR is American and ER right. is English, um, you know, Ox- Oxford English. So I'm a big Oxford English girl. <laughs> no Zs in, in, in word, the middle of words for you then. No, nah, no Zs and we like yous. <laughs> we and, do like you know, yous. And so, yeah, so that's how you find Yeah, it. I have a big issue with program. I still love to write it with a double M-E. It just feels uh, wrong to put it with yeah. just one M. I, I fought that one for a long time and finally gave up about three or four years ago. Well done. Well, listen, thank you so much and I can't wait to share this. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely to chat. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. She's the boss.